You're listening to the Be A Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 254. So how do high achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business, and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Hello, how are you doing today? We're going to talk about how to rebalance your life. And we're going to be talking about doing a self-evaluation. Now, stay with me here because I hear self-evaluations are the bane of so many lawyers' existence in firms. So I want you to know it's not going to be anything like that, but this is going to help you really start to see what's going on in your life and where you can start making improvements. And anyone who feels disconnected from themselves or like you're out of balance, this episode is for you. It's also for you if you're feeling overwhelmed or powerless to change things in your life. The reason self-evaluation is so important is to really check in on ourselves and our lives and decide whether or not we like it. We don't usually spend time doing this kind of thing. I know I didn't, and it was something that was very helpful for me. And the questions that I'm going to be asking you in this episode are ones that I needed to ask myself, and I didn't know how to phrase them in the moment. They were just things that I learned over time. And so I've created this podcast to ask you these questions to help really pinpoint areas of your life that you may want to create some shifts in to help you rebalance your life. When we ask ourselves these questions, we can then ask, do we want to keep showing up in this way? We can't always see ourselves because we see what we want to see. We don't see how we truly are. And I see this time and time again with my clients who are accomplishing amazing things in their practices and are really big hearted, but deep down inside, they feel unworthy. I have struggled with these feelings too. I am going to be going through these questions, but I want you to know I am constantly re-asking these questions of myself because as we grow, we're going to have different answers to them. There are some companion podcast episodes that I'm going to link to in the show notes at dinacataldo.com forward slash 254. But what I want to offer you in this episode are five questions to ask yourself to consider where you are in your life right now and whether you want to stay on that path or whether you want to begin evolving. When we don't address these questions, that's when we give up control of our lives. We don't always see how much control we are giving other people, our job, what we think about money or our attachment to what we think our life should look like. When we don't have that awareness, we're blind and we can't make the changes that we need to break free. When we break free of that <clears throat> excuse me, control, we can make bolder decisions in our life. And those bolder decisions can help us feel more freedom and fulfillment instead of trapped. So when we give control away in these five areas I'm going to be talking to you about, we avoid problems instead of facing them head on. And we ignore the value we bring to this planet, not just from the work that we do in the office, but by connecting with ourselves and with other people on a human level. A little warning before we dive in, 
you might feel resistant to answering these questions. That is normal. Some of these questions will challenge your self-perception. These have been questions, like I said, I've asked myself over the years and I don't stop asking them. And the more I ask them at different times in my life, the more nuance I can see. The more I see, the more I can make decisions around who I want to be in this lifetime. That means I can keep changing and evolving. So you can listen to this episode a year from now, six months from now, and you'll have different answers or you'll see different things. So if you feel resistant, know it's normal, sit with that discomfort and answer these questions for yourself. And if your brain says, this question doesn't apply to me, ask yourself where it does apply to you. I guarantee you will find something. When you do, you're going to see more nuance and be able to face yourself head on. All right, so let's talk about these five questions. Question number one, are you taking emotional responsibility? We aren't taught to take emotional responsibility. We are taught to blame, whether it's blaming ourselves or blaming others for how we feel. When you were a kid, did your mom or dad say, you know, that makes me feel bad or words hurt? Well, we don't learn that it's what we think about those words that is what creates our feelings. Our feelings have nothing to do with what other people do or do not say or do or do not take action on. It's not the circumstances we have in our life, but what we think about those circumstances that creates our feelings. Emotional responsibility is the ability to understand that what we feel is caused by a thought and that those thoughts are optional. It doesn't always feel that way. I know. I am there with you. This is how I knew I wasn't taking emotional responsibility in my life. I would tell myself things like, I can't leave my job because I need to pay off my student loans first, which when I look back on it, was total baloney. I was judging myself, I was being really mean to myself for not paying off the loans with the jobs I got the money for, right? So it had nothing to do with my ability to pay. It had nothing to do with the numbers. It had nothing to do with how I felt when I was staying in a job when I knew that my calling was coaching. It had to do with this thought that I had had in my head that I should be in the job until I pay off my student loans. It didn't make sense, but my brain believed it. So I had to recognize that the thought that I was having, that I can't leave my job because I need to pay off my student loans first, that that thought was creating the feeling of guilt every time I thought about leaving the job. Guilt as if I was doing something wrong, even shame, right? Because I thought I was bad for not following through and paying off all of those loans with the job that I had gotten through law school. I really had to evaluate that emotion and check in and take responsibility for it and know that it had nothing to do with the job. It had nothing to do with the loans. That thought was optional. And so what I did is I said, okay, look, is it worth it for me to not take action on something that feels so fulfilling that I believe is in my best interest long-term? Do I want to stay and continue to pay off my student loans, which could take, I don't know how many years, 
or do I keep moving forward with what I think is the right thing to do? So I really needed to do that evaluation for myself and then I could make a clean decision. Another way this showed up, this not taking emotional responsibility in my life was I was fearful of what people would think of me if when I left my job, if if I should fail. So if I didn't take responsibility for my emotions, that fear, and remind myself that no matter what other people thought of me, I would always be proud of myself for trying. I would never have left. What I thought about myself was more important than what other people thought of me. That is what emotional responsibility is, is really looking at what do I think about myself and my decisions, because I can't control what other people think and feel. So some ways you might know you're not taking emotional responsibility in your life and that I see with some of the lawyers that I work with is maybe you tell yourself that you can't do something that you want to do because other people won't like you or other people won't expect that of you. They will expect something else of you. Or maybe you think you can't invest in yourself because you have debt. And this is what's interesting about debt. When you're poor, it's considered bad, but when you're rich, it's considered good. I never understood that differentiation. So really, debt is not what is at issue. It is what you think debt is. And what debt is, is borrowing to receive something in return. You're basically buying money. And what investing comes down to is numbers. Are you going to use the debt to increase the value of the money that you are borrowing? Borrowing. So are you going to get a return on your investment? If I see a coach or a business opportunity that might initially mean I need to use debt to purchase that opportunity, I run numbers. Hey, I do it very unemotionally. Initially, my brain wants to freeze, right? Because numbers and money sometimes do that to us if we're not training ourselves and consciously taking emotional responsibility. So if you feel that resistance, you just go in and you say, okay, I see what's happening, but let's just make this really simple. What are the numbers? That's all I'm going to look at. So when I look at the numbers, I can see whether or not I'm going to get my investment back and then some. So notice how I said that. I'm using the debt to create a result. It's an active way of thinking about money. If we simply say no to debt without making evaluations, we can miss out on opportunities that can reap big dividends if we do the math. If we're not taking emotional responsibility and we let fear or discomfort prevent us from looking at the numbers, prevent us from looking at reality, then we can miss out on big opportunities. So then you can make a conscious decision about what is in your best interest. But that can only happen when you are taking emotional responsibility and you are seeing that your thoughts are creating your feelings and you can really do that evaluation cleanly. Question number two, are you asking for help and allowing yourself to receive help? If you're not doing these two things, you keep yourself struggling and change can take a lot longer than it needs to. Struggling is a habit. It's caused by how we think about the world. Those thoughts might be something like, 
no one does this as good as me. No one understands or it's faster if I just do it myself. And then we can keep ourselves struggling. If we take emotional responsibility and see those thoughts for what they are, optional, and recognize we're the ones keeping ourselves struggling, then we can start asking for help. So this is one I really needed to learn. I realized at 29 years old that I never asked anyone for help. I didn't want to ask anyone in my office for help because I didn't want anyone to think that I didn't know what I was doing or that I was weak. And I wasn't asking my friends for help. Struggling was a habit for me. And I thought about it and I realized that was what I was taught growing up is don't ask for help, be independent. My brain interpreted that as never ask for help ever. (laughs) And I really thought that that was how it was supposed to be. So I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think of changing anything for myself. It felt really normal. So when I had to start asking people for help because I literally could not function without help, I was I needed drives to doctor's appointments, all of that good stuff, I started by asking people around me for that help. And it was really uncomfortable, but I did it anyway. And that came with the emotional responsibility of just feeling the discomfort and doing it anyway. And then when I wasn't seeing the changes in my life that I wanted to see, I found coaching and I learned how to ask people I didn't know for help. So the second part of this is actually receiving that help. So do you receive help when someone offers it? This took practice for me too. I started saying yes more when help was offered. I would actually notice my first instinct was to always say no. And then I would interrupt myself when I would say no. I'd say, you know what? Actually, I will. I will take your help. Thank you so much. And I eventually got out of this struggle habit. So here's how you know you have a struggle habit. One, you think you should be able to figure things out on your own. Two, you put off tasks because you know you'll need to ask someone for something. Three, when people offer help, you always say, no, I got it, instead of considering whether it would be nice to have some help. You don't need to be in this struggle habit. You can change it. You can make your life a lot easier. It takes showing up and asking for that help and allowing yourself to receive it. Question number three, are you accepting what is? When we fight reality, we create suffering in our life. I think it's Byron Katie who said something like that, probably Buddha too. (laughs) So how do you know you're fighting reality? You tell yourself things will change eventually or things will get better. And you take an honest look and realize six months, a year later that things haven't changed, whether it's in your workload, a relationship with a romantic partner, or your stress levels. You don't look at the real numbers in your business to either celebrate your successes or re-examine your approach to your business. You don't look at the reality of your calendar or the systems that you have in your practice or don't have in your practice so that you can get things done more simply and smoothly. Everything feels like it's on autopilot and like you have zero control. So your brain might also tell you things like, I don't have time to look at these things. 
that thought is a sign of resistance. This is another reason why calendars are amazing. When you put something on your calendar and you don't do it, you can see immediately where the resistance is and examine it. Without a calendar, you are blind to it. If you want help with a calendar, make sure you've downloaded my Busy Lawyer's Ultimate Time Management Guide. You can get that at dinacataldo.com forward slash busy lawyer. So this resistance is also a sign that you're not taking emotional responsibility for your business, your time, et cetera, because you're letting the emotion prevent you from seeing reality. The emotion could be discomfort, could be overwhelm, fear, and then you can't look at the real problem that you're having. And we talked about that in last week's episode. I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. Question number four. Are you consciously deciding to trust in your abilities, including the ability to figure anything out? This question is about where you get your validation. Are you validating yourself or are you looking outside of yourself for validation? An example of where I didn't trust my abilities is Facebook ads. And if you're familiar with Facebook ads, Facebook, it's quite involved and Facebook changes the format of its ad platform almost monthly. And I became really frustrated for a really long time. I had some bad experiences and I just believed my thoughts and I didn't question them. I wasn't taking emotional responsibility. But once I did, I started to change things. Because as long as I allowed myself to feel frustrated without questioning my thoughts, I would not use ads to grow my business. So I decided, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to take responsibility for my feelings and I'm just going to say, look, let's do this. So I decided to ask for help and I received it in the form of a Facebook ads expert. And if you're interested, I use Claire Pelletro's Absolute Facebook ads. It's an online course. I'll link to it in the show notes um, because she's really great. Um, So I can't say enough good things about her. Um, I trusted my ability to figure anything out, meaning I could go to that program and I could get my questions answered, which I do. I ask for help when I need it. And then I receive that help. And then I made the Facebook ads happen, right? That's how we change things. That's how we get different results. As we take that emotional responsibility, we start asking for help. We start receiving that help. We start looking at the reality of the situation and then we move forward, right? We just say, okay, I'm going to consciously decide that I'm going to trust my abilities and I'm going to make this happen. I had a similar issue come up when I was um, placing uh, things on my calendar around requesting to be on people's podcasts or doing CLE trainings on my calendar. So I saw resistance show up because every time it was on my calendar and I and I saw it, I'd say, no, no, there's something better for me to do. I, I could always do that later. I'd have all the excuses. I could see all of the reasons come up that I couldn't make that pitch. I couldn't, you know, make that ask. And I wasn't taking emotional responsibility. The truth is, is I felt very uncomfortable making those asks. So what did I do? I got uncomfortable some more. I got some help. I built my confidence, right? And I started making pitches. By the way, if you are part of an organization or a firm and would like to have me do a presentation for you, let's talk. You can go to my website. You can go to dinacataldo.com forward slash speaking, and we can set up a time to talk about your event. I'd love to be a part of it. You see what happens when you start taking emotional responsibility? You start making asks. 
How you know you're not consciously deciding to trust in your abilities, including the ability to figure anything out, is if you think your clients don't like you or that they won't like you, you're going to try to make yourself feel better by lowering your prices or doing work outside the scope of your agreement. Maybe you have a hard time saying no. You don't take any vacations because of what you think your boss is going to think of you. You feel warm and fuzzy when you think about the title you have at the office or the accolades or awards you get, and those warm and fuzzy feelings prevent you from doing what you truly want to do to feel fulfilled. There's nothing wrong with feeling warm and fuzzy feelings about those things. Where we can get in trouble is if we are attaching ourselves to those accolades, attaching ourselves to the title, and preventing ourselves from taking action in a way where we are creating fulfillment in our life. Question number five, are you consciously deciding you are deserving of what you want and that you belong, that you are worthy to take up space on this planet? Now, how you know you're not is someone compliments your outfit and you say, oh, it was on sale versus simply thank you. Saying thank you feels uncomfortable. You might want to hedge it. Maybe you notice that you don't take credit for accomplishments. You hedge those accomplishments. You give all of the credit away when you have done so much to deserve that credit. I used to do that a lot, and it was something I needed to practice. It was very uncomfortable for me to simply sit and take a well done, or you did such a great job on XYZ. I'd constantly try to like spread that credit like to somebody else. It's one thing like saying, oh yeah, it's a team effort, but when you really have had a key component in a, in the success of something, an assignment, own that. It is going to feel uncomfortable, especially for women. We're not taught to take credit like that. You don't put yourself first on your calendar. In fact, you're an afterthought. You don't do th- nice things for yourself. You don't ask for what you want. Those are ways you may be showing up day to day and not even knowing that you're discarding your deservedness. You're discarding your worthiness. You are 100% worthy just being born and being on this planet. And then we have done this thing in our society that is so twisted, which we have wrapped our self-worth in our work. And so if we're not constantly staying busy, that's another sign you may feel unworthy in some respects because you're always telling yourself, I need to be doing something. I need to be productive. Notice these things in your life because you could sit on the couch all day and still be worthy of being on this planet. Like that does not define your self-worth. Your thoughts about yourself are going to determine what you feel about yourself and then how you treat yourself. So observe how you're treating yourself and that's going to show you whether or not you're consciously deciding that you are deserving of what you have in your life. This is something that I work on too. Like every single one of these questions I have had to ask myself, I have had to do some honest reflection on. And every single time I evaluate myself, I'm like, oh yeah, Like there are places where I feel some shame. 
there are there are places where I don't feel deserving or like I'm thinking that I'm too big for my britches and I'm concerned about what other people think of me or I'm not self-validating. Like this is a practice. I don't want you to think that you answer these questions one time in your life and suddenly your life is perfect. This is a rebalancing that we do consistently throughout our life so that we can keep reconnecting with ourselves and keep reconnecting with what we really want and how we want to live our lives. So let me do a quick recap of these questions that you can ask yourself. Question one, are you taking emotional responsibility? Question number two, are you asking for help and allowing yourself to receive help? Question three, are you accepting what is? Question four, are you consciously deciding to trust in your abilities, including the ability to figure anything out? Question five, are you consciously deciding you are deserving and that you belong, that you are worthy? And these are just five questions. I could give you a million questions to ask yourself, but these five can give you so much insight into your life. If you want to continue this work, if you want to continue rebalancing your life and start focusing your attention on yourself, on growing your practice, on leading a life where you feel more fulfilled, less overwhelmed, less frustrated, book a call with me. You can book a strategy session with me at dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session. All right, my friend, I will talk to you soon. Bye.